This is the new way we work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. Between the constant pings of notifications from emails and slacks to news and social media, it can feel like there are a lot of forces conspiring against us to get things done. But at the heart of many of our feelings of overwhelm and distraction is our own tendency to distract ourselves from important or difficult tasks. Today's episode is an edited version of a recent LinkedIn audio conversation I had with my colleague, Julia Hurst. We dug into the research on the different forms that procrastination can take and explored strategies for overcoming it. Take a listen. Hello and welcome to Fast Company's now monthly LinkedIn audio. I am Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis, and I'm joined this month by Senior Editor Julia Hurst. Hey, Julia. Hey, how's it going? Good. You and I have been covering work-life topics for Fast Company for many, many years, and our topic today, procrastination, is always a really popular one. We have a deep archive of articles that we'll be dropping in the comments as we talk. And if there's anything that you want to add or a question you want to ask, drop that in the comments as well, and we'll get to that and address that. We have a lot of polls that I think uh, a lot of you took and uh, I think a lot of feelings about procrastination. Also, if you want more on procrastination than this, we have a new newsletter coming from Fast Company called Work Smarter, and our first topic of that newsletter will be procrastination. We will include some of the articles that we're dropping today and some new stuff and some more stuff that's coming really soon. Uh, so we're going to drop that link into uh, subscribe to that newsletter. And, you know, while you're there, if you want to subscribe to our other newsletters, that's great, too. Also, we have a podcast of which I am the host of called The New Way We Work where we will be using uh, some of this audio today for a special bonus episode since LinkedIn does not include a recording feature of these conversations. So if you miss it or have to drop off early and you want uh, more of this conversation or come back to it, like and subscribe to uh, The New Way We Work, wherever you get your podcasts, we'll drop that link in too. Okay, so that's all that. Before we get started, I'm not going to ask you, Julia, if you procrastinate because you're a human being. So the answer is yes. Instead, I'll ask you how you beat procrastination. Like, do you have any personal tricks that you use? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yes, I think everyone procrastinates for sure. Um, And we've now provided everyone listening a good way to procrastinate. Yes, exactly. This is, I'm sure like 98% of the people here are like have something else they should be working on, but you should not. You should just listen to this. Yeah, and listen to the podcast. I yeah, there's all give you all sorts. Read all the articles we drop in. We are giving you exactly. so many opportunities. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think one of the best hacks that I found personally, and I think you know, it's obviously person to person what works for you, is to just like try to start the task in a small way, like even if it's the very smallest way. So like, if I have to edit something that feels overwhelming, maybe I'll just like you know, move it into a Google Doc and like say, I'm just going to read through it once, you know, see how it goes. And often just like starting that process and getting over that kind of initial impulse to do something else or avoid it will be enough. And then you realize, oh, it's actually not so bad. Like I can actually do this, you know, and then I tell myself like, okay, maybe I'll just spend 15 minutes on this. And then usually I end up spending longer after that because it's just not, not as bad as I was building it up to be in my mind. So it's like once you get get going, then you've built momentum and you're like, all right, fine. I'll, I, guess, I guess I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing I like to do is obviously I'm a big to-do list person, as I think a lot of us probably are. 
but I like to have one that's like very thorough. Um, and sometimes if I'm feeling overwhelmed just by like the number of things I have to do, I'll just try to cross off some of the easiest things to just feel like I'm making a dent in the to-do list. If it's like a boring task, you know, sometimes we have those like life admin tasks that we end up putting off just because they're too boring to do. I'll try to make it more fun by like listening to a podcast or music or something like that. And then another thing, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, is like if I have to do really kind of focused work, I'll try to get rid of as many distractions as possible and even like put on Slack like a status that says I'm like, you know, not checking for a little bit just to really kind of carve out space for that deep type of work because I find it so distracting when, you know, you're trying to write something or edit something carefully and there are a million emails or other notifications that are going off. It just makes it really hard to get into kind of a flow state. Oh, totally. We'll get to that in one of our polls, like the, what distracts people the most. And I think emails and messages is definitely that. You could spend your whole day just like pinging around to, you know, every kind of urgent thing. You're right. My, the, like the, the switching off distractions and like deep focus thing is, is my go-to one. My go-to one is setting a timer. I'm like, for, it's like, I'm really like nannying myself where it's like, this is the amount of time you are not allowed to do anything else. You have to just deep focus on this task for, I usually do 20 minutes to start because it feels less daunting, like 40 minutes or an hour seems like a lot, but kind of same. Yeah. I was going to say like what that set time is really key. Cause if it's too short, then you can't really get anything done. If it's too long, then you really just don't want to do it sometimes. Yeah. Then, then I'm like checking the timer. I'm like, what time is it now? Oh my God, still 30 minutes left. But same like you, once I'm in that 20 minutes and I get in a flow, then sometimes the timer goes off and like, well, I'm still, I'm still in the flow. I'm going to keep going. I'm interested in what you said, because I think a lot of people use music. I use music, but I can't have music that has lyrics. It has to just be like classical piano, like something that's like background music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated that you listen to a podcast because my husband also listens to like podcasts and things with words that I'm like, but you have to listen to that. Oh, it really depends the type of work I'm doing. Like, I definitely would not try to write or edit and listen to something with words. That seems like it would be like, I'm like hard how? to do. I would just start typing the thing I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. But if it's something that's, you know, like kind of mindless, like I need to make a bunch of calendar invites for something or I don't know, um, you know, any any task that's just like admin-y, then sometimes it's just too boring to do otherwise. And yeah, that's true, when you true, true. Yeah. But otherwise, I think some classical music, some jazz, something like that is better for background if you're actually trying to like write something or do anything involving words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then talk to me about your to-do list because you said you write down like something really detailed. Do you take a task like edit a feature and write down all of the steps of it, like make an Airtable entry? Do you break it down that detailed or do you just kind of do the, the top line thing? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I break it down that much, although I think that could be really helpful if you had like a bigger project. Um, I just sort of love the the moment where you get to cross it off out. or check mm-hmm. it off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find that very satisfying. Make to-do list. <laughs> yeah, check. exactly. Done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, And sometimes I feel like when I'm feeling the most overwhelmed, it's just because I have too many like little things to do. And so just even accomplishing like a couple of the little things that end up taking five or 10 minutes ends up just like giving me the kind of brain space to actually focus on the other harder things. Yeah. Um, And just having it written down also just frees your brain to not be trying to remember all the things you have to do. Yes. Honestly, I don't understand how people don't have to-do lists of some fashion. Agreed. Already, I feel like there's too much in my brain to have to keep track of and remember that if I did not have sticky notes and to-do lists, I don't know how. (laughs) 
And we're going to talk about like procrasto working, you know, the idea that maybe you're working by not doing the most important tasks, mm-hmm. but other tasks. So I, I feel like it's important to distinguish between those two because mm-hmm. you can definitely fall into that trap where you end up doing the kind of small, easy things that actually aren't the priority. Mm-hmm. You spend your whole day in exactly. email, fake working. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So like that's definitely something to avoid. But I still think a to-do list where you check off the easy things first can be very helpful. To-do list is another topic that we cover a lot, and I feel like we could probably do a LinkedIn audio about it, but I make a, like a work to-do list and a personal to-do list. So I have each of those tasks kind of separated out. Okay, so, well, as I mentioned, everyone procrastinates <laughs> at some point. We published an article a couple of years ago that challenged some of kind of the conventional thinking about procrastination, namely that it's not a matter of willpower or focus, that mood and emotional regulation are the main culprits in procrastination. In other words, procrastination is not a time management problem. It's an emotion management problem. So this is actually backed by research from psychologists, and we're going to drop in some of those links right now. But here's what they had to say about the kind of emotional process behind procrastination. It's basically that we project into the future what the task will feel like, and we predict that it won't feel good, that it'll be hard or stressful. And then so our emotional coping strategy kicks in, and it kicks in to keep us away from this bad feeling because we want to avoid this bad feeling, so we avoid the task. All of this, of course, is subconscious happening. You're not logically thinking through this. But they point out that avoiding this perceived external threat also shuts off access to good feelings too, uh, like the feeling of accomplishment and success, which is why psychologists have found a connection between procrastination and depression. So negative emotions like self-doubt and anxiety and boredom and frustration and resentment all are things that make us procrastinate. And then they're kind of in this feedback loop because they kind of self-perpetuate. So, you know, that's nice to know, right? Um, yeah, it's a helpful it's thing like, to know. It's like, okay, sure. good. Um, knowing that it's an emotional problem and that you're robbing yourself of positive feelings doesn't like make you stop. So one of the suggestions from these psychologists is that mindfulness meditation can help people remain calm and kind of non-judgmental in the face of work stress, which makes us more able to kind of engage with the tasks and makes us less stressed, which then kind of creates this like positive feedback loop. In other words, this is in the article and I I loved how, how this was phrased, doing absolutely nothing might be the best way to get everything done. What do you think, Julia? Do you think that doing nothing you know, helps you get things done? Have you, do you recognize any of the emotional aspect of procrastination? Yeah, I mean, definitely understanding the emotional aspect of why we procrastinate feels really important. And I, I do feel like, you know, everyone knows what it's like to get stuck in that kind of negative cycle of not feeling productive and then feeling bad about how you weren't productive. And I think, you know, whatever you can do to kind of get out of that terrible cycle and back on like, okay, well, I got something done. Like maybe it wasn't everything I needed to do, but it was a start. That can be very helpful, I think. And we did a poll actually where we were looking at like the types of work that you were most likely to procrastinate on. And I think this sort of gets at the the heart of some of these like uh, negative cycles. So there were four different categories that we were looking at. We had long, complex projects, difficult conversations, tedious, boring tasks, or all of the above, right? So like all of those are things that bring up negative feelings for you probably in one way or another. And 50% of people said it was tedious, boring tasks, which was kind of surprising to me. I was surprised by that, too. I vote in all of our polls because, like (laughs) a person on the internet, I love to take polls. And I voted for long, complex projects because that seems like the thing 
that, yeah, there's certainly emotions tied to it, right? Of like, oh my God, what if this thing that I've invested so much in is not good or I'm not smart enough? Again, not like completely consciously, but I feel like that's kind of going on. It feels really daunting to start. I also get the procrastinating on difficult conversations because talk about an emotional area. The tedious, boring tasks, like, yeah, they're boring, but I don't know. It doesn't bring up as much like negative feelings for me. It's definitely an odd thing, but I think, yeah, the takeaway is just that all of these are are obviously bringing up different types of negative feelings, but negative feelings nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think it probably also depends, like, what your kind of breakdown in your daily life is between these types of things. Like, you know, if 50% of the tasks you have you find tedious or boring, you know? Yeah, true, true, true. That could also be sort of factoring into this. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that speaks to, you know, those taking the poll don't have as many difficult conversations, luckily, that they have to have. Um, But... I mean, it also kind of speaks to like what part of your job do you find most challenging maybe too, you know? Yeah, and for sure. I mean, you could also find a long, complex project really like invigorating and exciting, Mm -hmm. which would be the right way to approach it potentially. (laughs) Yes, it would. So everybody's just better adjusted than I am maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the takeaway is that we are in the minority here at the 14% of people who feel stressed about long, complex projects. Yeah, that was actually the lowest percent because, yeah, tedious, boring test was 50 percent, difficult conversations, 18, all of the above 18. So, yeah, it's everybody's in, happy to do their long, complex projects. Good for you all. <laughs> yes, congrats to everybody who took this poll. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of like how to focus when you're feeling really stressed. And I think you can feel stressed when it's just because you have a lot of things to do at work. It can feel stressful when you also have things happening in your personal life or when you know, all the news is terrible and stressful. Like there are many ways I think that you can feel stressed. And I think in the pandemic, a lot of us were experiencing multiple types of stress in multiple facets of our life, which I think is obviously the most challenging type to deal with. And I wanted to reference this contributor piece that one of our contributors wrote, Elizabeth Grace Saunders. Um, She's a time management coach. And so she writes a lot of great stuff about productivity and procrastination. She wrote this piece, I guess it was probably about a year ago now, about how to stay focused and everything feels stressful and overwhelming, which is kind of getting at the idea that, you know, we all go through periods where it's more than just you have a big project at work, you know, maybe other things are happening in your life. And she provides some kind of concrete tips for being productive in those times where everything is overwhelming. She mentions, which I think I I talked about this a little bit earlier, putting everything down on paper, like the act of just writing every single detail of what you need to get done, what you're stressed about, whatever it is, just kind of getting it all out on a piece of paper. I think that's a really great piece of advice. Another great tip is about taking action where you can. Like sometimes you only have the energy to complete certain tasks, you know, maybe the ones that don't require as much mental energy for you. For me, that might be a boring task. For someone else, it might be a long, complex project. I don't know. (laughs) But there are certain tasks that you can just accomplish and check something off your to-do list. That's a great thing to be able to focus on. And then she also writes about the kind of restorative power of taking a break. Like I think there's a lot of pressure, you know, in our hustle culture mentality sometimes of, you know, you just need to keep fighting the fight and trying to tackle your to-do list and putting in really long hours. But like often the best thing to do and the most productive thing is to actually just take a break, right? Stop staring at your computer, your phone, get offline, talk to a friend, go on a walk, you know, whatever it is. And then you can end up being way more productive when you come back than if you just continue to kind of bang your head against the wall. Oh, totally. I think we had another poll here that we can talk about, which is the ever popular topic of um, distractions. That's a very good one. So for that one, we had email and instant messages. We had kids or other family. 
we had social media and news, and then we had chores or other responsibilities. Those were the categories. And so we asked, what is the thing that distracts you most from your work? And in this poll, I actually think I put email and instant messages, and that ended up being the most popular topic. That was 59% of people said that that was the one that they agreed with. And then next was social media and news. Then we had kids or other family. And then finally, at 11%, we had chores or other responsibilities. So I guess the desire to do laundry in the middle of the workday. Kate, do you remember what you put down? For what distracts me most, I definitely said email and instant messages. I was with everybody. It's so hard and you do kind of have to shut it off because it pings and it it's made to interrupt you. And you can spend your entire day just like answering emails and slacks and feeling like you're doing urgent work. But literally at the end of the day, you're like, what did I actually get done? I'd be curious to hear what your strategy is about email. You know, I mean, obviously we're all in a field where we receive many emails <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> daily basis. And I think we genuinely could spend all day just answering emails if that was all we had to do. So what's your approach? Do you do like a pass in the morning? Like how do you deal with your inbox? You know, it's so interesting. We wrote this article many years ago about the strategy of only checking your email twice a day. And we were doing this thing where we would we would try out our own advice, right? Where we would like, okay, I'm going to try that for a week and see how it goes and write about it. And I did that. And of course, that was the week that I got like this urgent message from our then editor-in-chief on this story. And I was like, doot, 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 for hours, like not checking my email. No. It was like, where, why isn't she responding? So I don't do that. I never, I never again did I try that method. Um, but I do first thing in the morning, like read through it all and then kind of periodically check it during the day with no like set schedule or anything. But I certainly don't ping to every single time I get an email because, yeah, you would never get anything done. Um, You know, the tip that you gave about taking action when you can and, like, what you kind of have your energy for made me think about kind of, like, batching your your work. Last week or the week before, a colleague of ours was, like, sending a lot of Slack messages and emails that I was involved with, and he's like, I've just had a really stressful week, and this is all that I have the energy for today is to do emails. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. Like, recognizing my capacity today to do that deep thinking or do that kind of other work is low, so I'm going to, you know, use this day to just address those emails I never got back to. Yeah, like if I have minimal energy, how can I spend that energy in a way that will actually make future me happier? Yeah, exactly. So you said email and instant messages too? I did. Yeah, I I definitely do a pass first thing in the morning to deal with anything kind of urgent. And then I try to kind of give myself like a midday period to just like fire off a bunch of emails all together. But like anything, so I'm not just going back and forth. Like not only does that just eat up a bunch of time, I feel like it also just eats up a bunch of emotional energy, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've also been trying to, like, often if I see an email, I'll be like, okay, I'll deal with it later. It can be better just to, instead of reading it over multiple times, just mm-hmm. to deal with it in that moment and then just have it off your plate. You know what I mean? I will say one a horrible thing about both email and Slack and all of these things is the more you take care of it, the more it produces. <laughs> like, when you respond to an email sometimes, it then gets another response and then gets another response. And so sometimes that's that negative feedback loop of like, well, if I just don't address it, then I won't have to deal with it. Yeah, but it can also go the other way where if you don't reply fast enough, then you get 17 You get all the (laughs) follow-ups. Oh my God. We could also do a whole thing on, please do not follow up to your follow-up to your follow-up. Give give people some some grace. Well, I feel like a related thing to this is the procrastinating concept that we sort of teased earlier. Um, And this is from contributor Amanda McKinney. 
So she defines procrastinating as when you're doing something that could be considered work, so you feel justified in taking the action, but it's not the thing you need to be doing. It's you procrastinating by doing other work. So I think we've all fallen into this trap mm-hmm. before. You know, some of the examples she gave had to do with like scrolling on social media because you're like, oh, it's I'm building my brand or whatever. Or if we're, well, or in our industry, like I have to know what's going on in the news and what right. we cover. And then there's a very blurry line between checking Twitter to find out what's going on in the news and checking Twitter as a means of procrastination. Right. So, I mean, I think the first step is just to notice that you're doing it right to catch yourself in that moment where you're like realistically is looking on Instagram actually the thing that I need to be doing right now. Um, And then I think there's also sort of that moment of like, okay, what is the thing I actually should be doing? So she calls it like auditing your to-do list. You're figuring out what the priority is, how you can actually make progress with whatever that priority is. And then I think there's also the other part of it, which is like at the end of the day or the end of your work session, being realistic and looking at what actually got done and, you know, just being honest with yourself about whether that was the thing that should have gotten done, you know. And again, that can be a fine line. Like sometimes you just don't have the bandwidth to do one thing. So you end up doing another thing and that's still productive. But if you are continually avoiding this one big, scary project, then I think there's probably a point in which you need to say, okay, how am I tomorrow going to actually make progress on this big, scary thing that I've been putting off? Yeah. And that's where the to-do list comes in too. I know that we've, we've written about this in, in various articles of like, what's the thing? Cause we all do this. If you write to-do list that you keep transferring to the next week's to-do list and the next week's to-do list, it's like, okay, that's the like elephant in the room of the thing that you're, yeah. you know, not addressing. I think also with this procrastinated working and like, you know, fake, fake work, I think, you know, it's also been called of like, you know, spending time on email and stuff is a lot of people like, myself included, everybody, you know, uses social media in particular as a break. And like, as you mentioned, like the actual getting up and walking around and doing something that's not in front of a screen is the type of break that's actually restorative. And there's the reason why they call it like internet rabbit holes, like looking at Instagram or, you know, whatever other site to give yourself a break because, oh, I only have 15 minutes until my next meeting. So what can I really accomplish? I'll just look at social media is not a restorative break. Right. You might be better served by, you know, walking around the block or talking to your roommate or, you know, whatever the task is that actually gets you away from a screen for yeah a few minutes, making a snack maybe. <laughs> yes. Food or walking based breaks for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of tips for kind of beating procrastination, that is certainly one of them, actually. The two big ones in articles that we have covered about like ways to, to beat procrastination are um, getting exercise, getting exercise during the the workday. There was um, a study that found that employees who work out in some way, and now I am inter- I am personally interpreting workout to mean like moving your body in any way. I think it means walking. Um, I don't think it needs to be like going to the gym. But employees who did some sort of exercise during the day were 41% more motivated than those who don't, which makes just a lot of sense. You know, if you're, again, not just like uh, staring at the screen and going zombie, you know, at the your eyes hurt and all of that. Scientists say that even like just a little moderate exercise can boost your productivity. It releases uh, protein that this is like super technical. You don't need to really care about this, like walk, but it releases a protein uh, called brain-derived neurothoracic factor. Woof. 
which helps improve our learning and our memory and reduces stress by releasing endorphins. So it actually like helps you remember things and, and like retain information more. And it's also a good just way to take a break. Right before this LinkedIn audio, I try to do this whenever the weather's nice. I fortunate enough to live next to a, a small woods and I, I literally took a 10 minute walk. I'm like, I have 10 minutes of time. It's so much better than doing something else with that 10 minutes. And then I think relatedly, uh, they say that sunlight during the work day also can promote productivity, which, you know, I don't think necessarily has to mean like sitting outside, but being near a window, I think everybody hates the fluorescent light cubicle farm sort of situation, like having some sort of natural light. In a study, researchers found that 70% of workers were more productive when they had some sort of access to natural light, which is again, like kind of just related to mood. There was another part, which I disagree with in this article, um, about warmer temperatures help people focus more. Uh, they found that like increasing your temperature of your workspace to 77 degrees Fahrenheit, like made people make less errors. I very warm, much, though. it's so hot. I yeah. disagree with that. And this is like, this is a uh, contentious topic, I think, for people of like where they want their thermostat set. I am always on the lower end. I set it, you know, low, the heat kind of low in the, the winter. And I don't set the air conditioning that high in the, the summer. But, you know, whatever. If you if you want to test it out and see if. Uh, yeah, know, whatever your comfort level is. <laughs> less errors when you're in a 77 degree room. That seems a little bit precise, but. And then, as I mentioned, my go-to method of setting a timer, I think that's that has a little bit of a cult following the, that, that method. I think they call it with the Pomodoro method. But yeah, I mean, basically just setting a timer and, and not allowing yourself to do anything until the timer goes off. You mentioned your tips, I think, at the, the, the top. Yeah, I mean, I think we can go through this poll. I just wanted to put out a call before we jump into this final poll where we ask people, how do you beat procrastination? If you have any questions for us as we kind of are wrapping things up, feel free to put them in the comments section in the um, event and we'll we'll address them. But yes, let's talk about this poll. Um, favorite tool to beat procrastination. So the options were a timer for concentrated work, music or background noise, a last minute power session or other. Surprising on this one, music and background noise was actually the biggest at 52%. Yeah, I wasn't that surprised at that one. I do think that a lot of people, I mean, especially in like the open office era, um, worked with headphones on all the time because there was you were so distracted by everybody's conversations and, and all that noise, yeah. Yeah, it's the fine line of when background noise is helpful and when yes. it is not helpful. What kind of background noise? Yeah. I will say another thing that can be good is sometimes just like changing your space. So like if you're working at home, going to work at a cafe, or if you're working in an office, working somewhere else in the office, or, you know, that can just like the change of scenery. And so I think that sort of gets at like the background noise idea. Like if you're sitting in a cafe or something, you know? Yeah. I guess like some people like, don't they make? Yeah. You can listen to like a YouTube video of cafe noises if you want. That I don't get. Like I don't need to hear cups clinking and like murmured conversation, but I think that speaks to if it's too loud, you can't focus. But I guess also like if it's too quiet, you can't focus. Yeah. I think also like one of the joys, if you go to like a public library of working with other people, you know, or if you're in an office, obviously, that's mm -hmm. maybe the more traditional space. But like, it can be nice when you are working on something to feel like there are other people also working on tasks around True. you. Yeah. You know, like you're not, like, you're not we're isolated. All, we're all in this together. I'm not, you know, alone on an island with my work. Yeah, there's, we're all working on, on something together. What did you say for this one? 
You know, I think I actually did put music background yeah. noise down. I guess I was just surprised it was so much more than the others. So, like, the next was 21% said a last-minute power session. 20% said a timer for concentrated work. Only 7% of people said other. But I guess I kind of thought it would be more evenly split if I had been guessing. I'd love to hear what those others are. If anybody is in that 7% other category, let us know what your other... Yeah, you can put other... that in the comments. <laughs> yeah, your, your too, other methods sure. are... Um, yeah, the last minute power session thing, I did kind of think maybe a pro procrastinator mindset of like, oh, I do my best work like right before deadline or, you know, these are the people that cram did all night like sessions in college sort of thing. It's like, that's yeah. a personality type. Be me, I feel certainly. like that is not my personality type. I am uh, very deadline conscious and like it would give me so much anxiety to try to save it all for the last minute and like plow through it. But some people work under that kind of pressure. I definitely think some people do their best work like that. I enjoy sleeping too much for that. (laughs) Yeah, same. same. An opportunity for me. (laughs) Um, I think the last big thing we wanted to chat about, or I guess we had two more. The the last thing I want to talk about is (laughs) how managers can deal with procrastination, which I think that's like a very tricky topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't think any manager wants to be in a position where they are seeing their uh, direct reports procrastinating and having to kind of like micromanage that situation. Mm -hmm. That's not an enjoyable position to be in. But I think it is a sign, you know, if you're seeing that as a manager, especially if it's something where, you know, you had a direct report who was really thriving and doing a bunch of stuff and then suddenly procrastination seems to be like a real issue for them. So I think it can kind of signal like maybe something is up, maybe the type of tasks that they are having to do are especially onerous or boring or confusing. Like, I think it's a real opportunity to check in and just kind of try to get to the bottom of what's happening in the same way if you found yourself procrastinating, you would also try to be like, okay, Mm. why is this happening? So yeah, I think it's an opportunity for checking in. um, And I think sometimes it's an issue also of an employee understanding like what the priority is, right? So sometimes it's just a matter of like going through the list of tasks and trying to figure out what's the thing we actually need to be working on and then like what are the other things getting in the way you know, or is there something that's preventing them from actually starting on the task if they're feeling overwhelmed or bored and kind of addressing that proactively in a collaborative way with that employee? Yeah. And that's a really good signal that like if they're procrastinating, getting to the why, like in the same way that you would ask yourself. I think it's also to manage the employees you have, not the employee works in the way that you work. I am, as I said, I'm a person that does not like working right close to the deadline. But if you gave your employee a deadline of Friday and it's Thursday afternoon and you yourself think, well, I would have filed this or I would be this far on it. Let them do their deadline. Like maybe they work best in the the last minutes of the project. But yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Especially if it's something that hadn't happened before and starts happening, that's a big signal that, you know, something is up that you should check in on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe something else is happening in their personal life or could be something that's separate from the actual task at hand too. And that's an important thing to know as a manager also. Yep. I feel like all of our management advice really comes down to like talk to the people that you work with, (laughs) you know, check in with them, like check in with them regularly and have conversations and don't assume. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels obvious. And yet I think, you know, many folks aren't doing that. I think it's so important to do. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to bring it home on a happy note and tell you all who are procrastinating by listening why it's so useful and beneficial to procrastinate. So we, we think it's a bad thing. 
And in general, you know, maybe it's not the best, but there are some surprising benefits and, and useful things about procrastination. We've written articles about this as well. We'll drop those links in. You know, some people use procrastination is, is a method of kind of using fear as a motivator. I think this speaks to the last minute sort of people. As the deadline approaches, we kind of fear the consequences of not getting it done on time. That kind of releases adrenaline. Adrenaline is actually a natural painkiller. It makes the it feel less painful to get the like difficult thing done. So some people, they thrive on that. That's actually procrastination is a motivator and it helps them get things done. Similarly, waiting until the last minute to get things done actually kind of does my timer method. It forces you to focus. Like you cannot be checking Instagram and doing other things if your deadline is, you know, quickly approaching. So you're less likely to, to get distracted. Another kind of way, and we've talked about this with like the boring and tedious tasks, are that procrastination can make other things seem easier. So if you're, you know, procrastinating on that big project or that difficult conversation, you might actually get like your expense report filed because that seems like an easier thing to get done. And or you'll get all those emails done because you had a stressful week and that's all you have the, you know, capacity for, like we said. Helps you get kind of those little things off of your to-do list because you're happy to do those because you're avoiding the the bigger thing that you're focusing on. And then I think the last kind of hidden benefit of procrastination is it forces you to kind of lower your expectations, which is not always a good thing, but sometimes can be, especially if you're a perfectionist. You know, the old saying, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You have to get it done. You can't kind of stay with it forever and tinker with it and obsess over it. It's like, okay, well, I could have done better, but my deadline was here. You know, gives you a little bit of an out. I will leave that as our uh, make you feel better about spending this uh, 45 minutes with us procrastinating. I don't think we have any, do we have any comments? I don't think so. So I will just promote again our newsletter. Drop the link in. It's fastcompany.com slash newsletters. Subscribe to our Work Smarter newsletter that's coming soon. We will have an issue all about procrastination with some new articles and some stuff from our archives. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, The New Way We Work, where you can hear this episode or you can hear this content as a bonus episode because, again, LinkedIn does not have recording. So we will have it all on the podcast coming up. I guess that's it, Julia. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Bye. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like this topic and want more on all things work life, subscribe to our new newsletter, Work Smarter, at fastcompany.com slash newsletters. It comes out every Sunday and it's put together by myself, Julia Hurst, and Lydia Dishman on all of these topics. And we want to hear from you. Work is changing every day. What's the most pressing issue on your mind? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us with the hashtag The New Way We Work. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen and Julia Shu with editing by Nicholas Torres.